Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to my weekly email newsletter, Friday Focus. Each Friday, I focus on one topic with one action arising. The link to sign up is in the show notes or head over to amyrolinson.com and sign up right now. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Tony Brooks. Tony, hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Amy. Well, we have a thank you, don't we? We have a thank you to Charlie Wyman for our introduction. We do indeed. Um, the curious uh, marketing expert. Yeah, no, it's, uh, but I think I think you, our paths have crossed historically in the PSA somehow or another, Amy, probably one of the conferences or something along those lines, I would imagine. For sure. All virtual so far, but looking forward to our first in-person conferences this year so I've got two booked really looking forward to that so yeah I think I think you saw me in a session where I was probably talking about podcasting or purpose or or combination of the both because that's I did indeed (laughs) there we go so welcome to the show today the focus is on you and we'll be talking about why you do what you do so let's just get started with what is it you're doing at the moment Tony what I'm up to at the moment uh, interestingly enough I'm a qualified psychologist, so a lot of what I, what I do in terms of leadership development is around mindset and thinking. And I've become, I did a neuroscience course with Dr. Linda Shaw, who I know you've done the same, I think, Amy, haven't you? Uh, last year and got quite fascinated in neuroscience as well as psychology. And the area I'm really fascinated in is survival psychology and how that plays out in our mind, how that can hijack us, how it can exaggerate challenges, threats that we face. So as well as doing my my normal client work, I'm just starting a journey to write a book on survival psychology. So that really fascinates me because I, I want to know about how you distinguish or how you discern survival, because survival for me obviously means surviving something. But knowing a lot about purpose, we can survive in on so many different levels. So what is it about survival that you're focusing on? Yeah, well, I, I think the thing is, if we take the origins of the human species back to two million years, survival was obviously focused very much on physical survival. But where we are in modern life, there's an element of that. Obviously, we, see, we can see threats to our physical survival. But a lot of the time, it's threats to our ego, our self-esteem, our, our self-identity. And as I said, really, that I, in my opinion, the functioning of the psyche uh, can completely get things out of perspective, out of proportion, and over-exaggerate what are probably any minor threats to be much more major. Um, we're pretty good at imagining things and uh, building up threats. So I think what's fascinating for me is how much of that is going on actually you know the um, in my uh, in my opinion Amy, at the core of us uh, almost every human being is the challenge of not being good enough and that can be because we see potential threats potential gaps in our ability um, but at the core of us is 
you know that that challenge that we face of not being good enough and that can apply in a work life career it can apply as a parent as a partner husband wife etc etc really um and so I, I think it's almost a little bit of an elephant in the room because i think it's probably not i think everyone is battling with it but a lot of people aren't speaking about it as openly as they might really and uh, that's why i'm fascinated and i think there's a lot of topics that people talk about like for example imposter syndrome which are for me just really symptoms of that root cause problem of survival thinking survival psychology and of not being good enough and um and and i think a lot of the areas that come out of that really you know that's the problem at its core really um so i'm i'm really interested to delve more and more into the topic myself but to um, be able to help other people i mean I, I guess typically my audience would be you know sme business leaders heads of sme businesses yeah so you talked about the threats that our imagination can t take on and and produce for us and they are you know they're not in existence they are imagined so our imagination can serve us in both ways, can't it? It can be a great visionary aspect, but it could also be, as you say, a hindrance. So how do we master our imagination? Oh, that's an interesting one. I, I think that, um, I mean, one of the concepts I talk about is the battle between the potential self and the destructive self. And the destructive self for me is, you know, built around a lot of this sort of, negative destructive thinking we allegedly have I, I still can't believe this but we have like in the region of fifty thousand thoughts a day and a lot of them are repetitive uh, destructive in nature so for me getting a better handle on uh, that and uh, being oh, it'll always happen within us we'll always do that but it's about being aware and coaching ourselves and controlling it better and the more that you can control that the more you can in my opinion you're able to release your potential and I think that, again, uh, just fascinating from uh, Dr. Linda Shaw's course last year is the way that our, also our brain moves into different frequencies. And a lot of the time we're in uh, highly alert states and sort of it's about being able to slow the frequency of our brain down. And that might be meditation. It might be when we first wake up in the morning. It might be daydreaming out the window. But that's where more creativity and I guess uh, releasing more imagination, creative imagination can come into play really. But a lot of the time, most people who are probably listening to this, they get up and they just already straight into emails that have come in, task lists for the day, whatever. And I don't think we find enough quality time because uh, that's what it needs. It needs some space and some quality time to be able to be more creative, to tap into our imagination more uh, because it can, you know, as you were saying, the imagination can be empowering as well as destructive, <laughs> as, as can our thinking. And something that I, I am very aware of is the power of journaling. And, and you're talking about the frequencies and, and the ability to sort of wake up in the morning and journal out those destructive thoughts that are otherwise going to become a repetitive loop during the day and once you start to write it you then give it a give it some kind of acknowledgement but it also reduces the power it has over you so you're talking about survival psychology and how it folds into not only our business world but into our personal world 
has there been an element of a cathartic process for you to survive from something? Um, I would say that there have been probably two pinnacle moments in, in my sort of like well, there's a number of pinnacle moments as we most most of us, but in relation to that, I was diagnosed with depression in 2007. Um, I was going through a marriage breakup, um, starting my business. It was all going on that year, moving house, um, diagnosed with depression as well. And um, that, that was quite a pivotal moment for me. And I think I was talking to somebody about it yesterday. I think actually, although it was, I'd reached a fairly, a bit of a crisis point, it, it became apparent to me that the way I'd been thinking throughout a lot of my life, really, uh, I was trying to think of how old I was then. Um, I was 44 then. And, um, but I think a lot of my thinking over time that I probably normalised wasn't hugely helpful. So, um, I mean, I had some antidepressant help with antidepressants and therapy at that time. And it that was an interesting point. But to be honest, again, I, I hit um, a problem with depression in 2013, which was the last time. And I'd been studying psychology, a psychology master's up to that sort of point, really. But I think actually, to be honest, what really helped me, sort of a pinnacle moment, was reading Eckhart Tolle's book. And I know the most famous one of his is Power Now, but I actually read New Earth. And I guess if I was to sum it up, Amy, that the, the thing that really hit me was the fact that um, we have, I mean, you were talking about journaling and I like journaling as well. I like to get things down, problems I've got and, and thinking I've got down on paper. But the big thing I took away from reading that book and the thing that's been really helpful over the sort of last eight, nine years since I read it, is that we have that ability as a, as a human being to raise above our thinking uh, and observe our thinking and be more conscious of what's going on. Allegedly, we're the only species that has that ability to actually almost observe and examine our thinking. And as well as disempowering that thinking through journaling, the moment that you start to observe your thinking, then you lessen its power. Because for most of us, I think we we just follow our thinking. We believe it is part of our identity and it's part of who we are. And we just go down paths with it and often darken paths with it, can be darkened paths with it. So I think that ability to, because uh, I said right at the beginning, we, we'll always, because of the nature of the human species, we'll always have negative, doubtful thinking. It's how much control you let that exert over you. And I think I, I often say to people, you know, you, people say, you know, books, book about book changing your life that probably was quite a life changer for me um you know on top of all the psychological studies I've, I've done that that book in particular um, and I really like Eckhart Tolle as well I think he's a he's a fascinating character and the way he talks about ego and what have you so I think it's really fascinating in fact I'm, I'm going to do a post on LinkedIn which will reference a bit of that uh, coincidentally tomorrow but yeah for me I think that that those two pivotal moments um have, have been really uh important for me and I think the thing is as you find us I'm sure Amy as well that you've delved into things for yourself and it's great because it's about helping yourself first but then that level of enlightenment that that knowledge that wisdom that you gain it's good to be able to take it and help other people as well and I know I know we're going to talk about why but I think that's a big part of what I what I'm about really is my initial fascination with psychology why I studied it why I've read a lot books around the topic why well, i did the neuroscience courses about what makes me tick um 
But and I'm still, yeah, I'm still not the finished article there. But I think being able to then help other people, whether that be friends, family, but obviously people who you serve um, in terms of a sort of, uh, you know, client relationship, customer relationship as well, then I think that's a, a really great and privileged place to be, really, to actually be able to share that knowledge and wisdom you've gained. And it's interesting that you mentioned. Eckhart Tolle and his work of the new earth and and obviously that that book's all about awakening to your life's purpose so it's really relevant to be bringing that up today and (laughs) and 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 things that he says about the ego is such that people or or very unconscious people this is something I'm recalling from what he's written they experience their own ego through its reflection in others and when you realize that what you react to in others is also in you, then you become aware of your own ego. Now, you started off by talking about the threats to ego, to self-esteem, to self-identity, and that being very much part of the physical survival. What threats to your ego have you had, Tony? I, I think that um, things that people would um, relate to uh, listening to this, actually, I think a lot of the time we can um we, we worry about how it will be perceived um i think that a lot of you were mentioning there about uh, reflection of ego and others and stuff i think also a lot of what we do is comparison and competition with others and that can be really unhealthy i think there is a potentially uh, a healthy element to ego although you know to be honest Amy, i've become less convinced uh, about that over the years but I, I know some people will feel they're very driven by that um, feeling of lack, that competition, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that ultimately leaves you in a place where you aren't necessarily happy with yourself. You, you don't like yourself as much as you might do. You're not fulfilled. Um, and again, I would say the one thing for me over the past eight or nine years in particular is I've grown to like myself a lot more. And uh, I think that the before that time, I think that the threats for me would probably be about leading me down a path where I didn't like myself very much. Um, and I think that that battle we have with ego can definitely take us into those sort of places, really. And um, I actually think fundamentally it's good to come to life from a place of feeling that you are good enough, you like yourself, but you want to grow and improve rather than coming at life from a place of feeling you're not good enough and you've got to prove yourself. And, and you because I think most people who continually feel they need to prove themselves will never do that. They'll never achieve that. And, and they may be happy with that because they may think that's what spurs them on and what drives them. And uh, but I don't want I don't want to come uh, life from a place like that. And I actually think if we were talking to people that we loved, we'd probably be a bit unhappy for them if they were saying, I don't feel I'm good enough. Um, I, I, I need to do other things to prove myself, I think. The way we would speak to others is different to the way we would speak to ourselves often, really. So I'm I'm loving what you're sharing here, Tony, and I'm loving how open you're being. And, and thank you for sharing the sort of pivotal moments that have shaped your work and how you're you're focusing now on what's important to you. With a purpose piece, what's the driver? What's how do you stay focused on what you're doing? Yeah, well, I think um, the the sort of purpose statement I have on my website is still probably relevant for me now, really. Um, And it is about, in in essence, it's about helping business leaders 
but I would like to think I, I, I would help other people as well. But it is about reaching improved levels of success, being more fulfilled and being happier. And I think, again, from in my opinion, there's there's too much focus on success uh, and I guess objective results. Whereas I often I'll often ask leaders, are you enjoying what you do and how happy happy they, they may be? They may have like doubled their turnover over twelve months or had a huge increase in turnover, and you can see amazing growth in the company. You look at them, and you know the answer is well. You know, are you enjoying this? Are you fulfilled? Uh, and often the answer can be no. And um, it's something I've got into explicitly, uh, sort of getting my the people I work with to score over over latter years. You know, um, how successful do you feel? How happy do you feel? And how fulfilled? And for me, uh, and I know you'll really connect with the sort of fulfilment. And you like the word fulfilment, I think, Amy. Um, but for me, that is then about purpose, because you can have success, you can have great results, you can be happy in life generally. But you may not feel fulfilled. You may feel that there isn't uh, enough of a driving why about what you do and um, the results you get don't have enough meaning. Uh, and so I really like the three aspects to that. And that that is important for me uh, to improve my success, but also my fulfillment and happiness, but then to help other business leaders get that as well. Because I think all too often people going to help businesses and business leaders it's too results focused it's too much focus on success and increasing percentage in you know revenue or profit and i'm not diminishing the importance of those but that can that can come at a cost of other things that are equally if not in my mind more important um because a successful leader without fulfillment and happiness is that that's not a great life to live i don't think so two of those elements you can't measure in terms of it's very subjective. So the success can be measured against results, against outcomes, but still there's an element of subjective subjectivity to it. So how do you speak to people in terms of how can they recognize the happiness? How can they recognize the fulfillment pieces? Yeah, well, I think... Um... Uh, for me, I think you're right, actually, success can be subjective as well. So we've got to acknowledge there's an element of subjectiveness in this. But it, and for me, it's about seeing how things change over time. But, uh, you know, it depends on what you decide to measure as to whether you decide you're successful or not. You know, that's <laughs> straight away subjective. Um, but for me, you know, fulfillment is about do you find what you do rewarding? You know, uh, does it have a purpose? Um, does it? Do, is it something that you feel would be like a lasting legacy? If somebody was to say that you've, you know, that was what your life was about. It's all of those kind of things. And that's the way I would describe it with other people. I mean, for happiness with me, it's, are you happy with yourself? You know, do you, are you feeling at one with yourself? Do you typically wake up? Uh, I don't think anyone is perfect and that every day is a joyous journey, but are you typically waking up, and enjoying the day that, and the work that you do and your life outside of work. So I think, again, there's a, there's a great neglect often of life outside of uh, what we do in career and what have you. So, you know, how happy are you with all of that, really? Uh, and, you know, the, the classic work-life balance can come into that as well. And are you having enough time to do the things that 
you know that you love like your hobbies and for me I'm a, I'm a massive music fan so the pandemic was a challenge in that I couldn't go to gigs for about 18 months or so um but I listened to a hell of a lot more music and uh, read up on music and read musicians biographies and autobiographies and stuff so again you know happiness is for me is about our uh, you know our business people finding enough time for the things that really are important to them outside of work whether that be family life friends relationships or hobbies and those kind of things so going back to you saying that you take issue with the fact that there's a, a huge focus on on the symptoms and that the core is not being dealt with and the the core when you're describing the imposter syndrome that that's just a symptom of not being enough not being good enough yeah, because I, I think the danger is something like imposter syndrome is, and I don't even I'm not I'm not keen on the word syndrome anyway, is somebody will say I have I have imposter syndrome. And I think that there's way too much of this in life in terms of categorization. Again, I was chatting with somebody recently about this. When I was diagnosed with depression, you had like a tick box sheet sheet that said, you know, uh, do do you suffer from this, this, this? And I I, I can't remember Amy. Let's say I tick seven out of ten boxes. And uh, the doctor said, well, you, you know, you're depressed. But actually, I, you know, I thought, well, if I'd tick six, would he let me out of the room? If I'd have ticked eight or nine, would he have like thought I needed sectioning or something? So the, the problem is for me, uh, I believe um, there are big issues with mental health, but I believe also that most of us exist on a dimension of mind health. And, and you know, that with that, when I was referring earlier to the destructive self, uh, potential self, we can oscillate around on that and it's about keeping ourselves in more healthy territory but recognizing that some days we will uh, be a little bit down and sometimes experiences of life quite naturally uh, we won't feel great um, but it's about not letting, letting ourselves spiral through that and and so i think that's the danger of being categorized with a depression or a mental health issue for example um is it can almost to a degree start to become a self-fulfilling prophecy and i think imposter syndrome for me is part of that it's about i've got a syndrome whereas actually what you're experiencing is, is typical for the human condition maybe it's you know that you are going for a promotion or a new job and your psyche will naturally start to feel threatened because it'll think are you going to be exposed will you be able to keep the job you know there are as I was saying earlier, there are both psychological challenges and practical. Will will I be able to uh, actually fulfil the job that I'm going to go into? Will I keep it? Will I have problems? Will I lose the job? You know, it's all of those kind of things. These are quite typical of human thinking. And it's again, it's that battle with not being good enough. But I think if we tell ourselves we've got a syndrome, then that can package it up. I think it's better to say... I'm, I, I am experiencing the kind of challenges that happen to people and I don't let, have to let this take a grip of me. And again, it's that awareness piece of what's going on with your thinking to not let it hijack you. And, um, you know, so, some of those things may be real threats you want to do. I think that's the thing and that's the challenge is deciphering what's something you probably need to act on. Um, so I don't know. You're going into a new job and you're you're concerned about whether you'll fulfill that. Maybe there is a skill you need to work on to develop and improve more. 
but um, often, I, I, really quick story, Amy. I, I, I was sharing this recently. When I started a job at Experian, I used to be in technology, and um, actually, as a lot of people do, I was on a three-month probation. Uh, six weeks in, the systems manager called me into his office to speak. What do you think was my natural thought? I'm not going to pass my probation. I'm going to be let go. Walked in there, and he, what he actually said was, um, I just wanted to let you know there's not going to be a problem at all with your three months probation. So just to take the pressure off you. Uh, go ahead, you know, go, go ahead and do that. And that's that's the thing. Um, I'm sharing that because I think that is would be quite a typical response. And um, the more we become aware that that is the kind of thing that's going to be typical in our thinking, um, and that we don't have to pay attention to it as much. Uh, we, it might have a message in there that we can respond to, we do something about, but we don't have to get sucked into that. That's important for me because, as I say, that can become that kind of thing can become a self fulfilling prophecy. It's um, the more that you get sucked into that thinking, it can influence the way you're thinking and seeing things and behaving, and and then that can spiral and uh, bring about the wrong kind of result, really. And that default to catastrophizing first as opposed to thinking all is fine. That is not something that you can control. Is that is that just something that the brain is designed or wired to do? It is, it is designed and wired to do that to a degree. And um, so you've got the, the nervous systems, uh, there's two different nervous systems that can be playing a role in that. And also the amygdala, which is the emotional center of the brain can be, you know, can be strongly drive our thinking. And, um, you know, Linda, Linda was saying on the on the neuroscience course last year, you know, about doing your best to remain in a calm, alert state. And again, that brings back for me that ability to be calm and alert and actually monitor what's going on. Because, uh, you know, if you can keep a level of consciousness, because a lot of our behavior and thinking is almost autopilot and unconscious for me so the more that we can be conscious and and as linda described it as well i really like that you know about that calm alert state that's where you can uh, coach yourself intercept that kind of thinking and manage it so yeah you're right it'll happen it's just whether you get for me it's about whether you get sucked into it and follow it um almost like a slave to it or or whether you have uh, you bring about your own personal power to remain more conscious and actually uh, just observing. And actually, you can almost have, you know, conversations with that kind of thinking as well. Ah, you know, this one up there, this is the kind of thing I do. It may sound crazy, but, um, you know, I, I see why the thinking, why my, why my thinking's going down that path. You know, you think there's a threat here and this is the level of the threat, but it's not, you know, and it's almost having that internal conversation that we're all having anyway we're all having internal chats with ourselves all the time but it's about having more productive internal conversations um than not and that was one of the things i loved about Eckhart Tolle's book new earth he, he very quickly he um, at the beginning of the book he's following some woman into the underground and on the tube and what have you and she's overtly uh, expressing her thoughts and he said to, to most people she would come across as almost quite crazy but he said the realization of him was that we're all doing that. She was just expressing it um, quite openly. Uh, so yeah, we are thinking beings, but it's about what we do with the thoughts that are in, enter our mind, really. So 
bear in mind that Eckhart Tolle's book, New Earth, is all about creating a better life and and having a world where we've got more control of, of our egos and, and have got a a way of living. What is what is your better world that you're looking to create, Tony? Ooh, that's an interesting one. My better world, I think, would be where people put a lot more focus on the way they think and see uh, their world, see themselves, first of all, see other people, see their world, see their businesses, um, and actually start from that rather than being so focused on the doing side of things, you know, the actions they need to do, the, the task list that they need to do. Because I don't think for most of us, we hit the pause button enough and find enough time to actually stand back and examine how we're thinking and how we see our worlds, et cetera. You know, I was talking to a client of, of mine on Monday uh, this week. Um, we had a half day, just like a strategy review with them, really. And one of them, one of the two directors said uh, there was an element of frustration that he felt he wasn't having enough time um, to stand back from the business, that kind of thing. I said, well, we are doing that, but at least we are doing that now. And I think that people like myself, I'd like to think really that one of the things we do offer is that opportunity for people to, if they, if they, if they find it hard to do themselves, the very fact they've got somebody else with them that's going to ask them questions, hit the pause button and get them to reflect and what have you, um, then it, it is enabling them to examine how they're thinking and how they're seeing the world. Um, I always give my uh, clients and some of my key contacts are a reflection sheet at the end of the year, the turn of the year. I know it's natural that we talk about doing that kind of thing at the end of the year, but I always encourage them to just pause, have a cup of coffee for an hour and just reflect on what's been going on. Um, and the other thing I think that a lot of us don't do is appreciate the good stuff that we do. You know, when I, when I go into talk to leaders uh, and I was having a bit of a bit of fun with the leader yesterday, just saying, uh, share with me the wins and the positives over the sort of last month. Because we're really good. If I ask the, if I ask the question, what have been the problems, challenges, things have gone wrong, people are very quick to come up with the answer. But I think for a lot of us, we don't recognize the improvement and growth and things that we achieve. Because again, sorry to go back to it again, because again, I think we are mostly fixated on what hasn't been done. Where are the threats? Where are the problems? Where's the lack? Where's the gaps? You know, it's, I think we need to appreciate more what uh, actually we've achieved. And and interestingly enough, you know, Amy, you you did the, the course with Linda as well. You know, neuroscience is fascinating because we can continually rewire our neurology. And I believe certain patterns of thinking and behavior and what have you help us become more optimistic. And there's a massive research about how having a more optimistic viewpoint on life um, will actually bring about different re results compared to being pessimistic. Uh, and so all of this this stuff really helps build into that, I think. I love that. And I love that you're, you've got a reflection worksheet that you work through with people and and the questions that you're asking there and the, on the different categories are, are so powerful because 
as you say, people don't take that opportunity to to hit the pause button enough at all. And and that's something that I've I've recognized when working with coaching clients that they just keep plowing on and on and and doing things for the sake of doing them, not really actually reflecting on on how they're serving them. Purpose comes in so many different ways. And I guess the default is to learn and grow. That That's our sort of default purpose. But then we evolve and we, we change what we want to do and how we want to approach that in life. You're, you're focusing on the psychology and you're, you're focused on very much how you can help people use psychology in business particularly and the way that you've adapted your learnings in that. Tell me something that has held you back in the past that now no longer does oh i i would actually say uh the first one that comes to mind i think i'll see if another better one uh, comes across along as well amy but this is this is a good one anyway i think um i think my more pessimistic nature in the past would definitely have held me back uh because i think having a more pessim- pessimistic nature can keep you um within I guess for, you know, one of a better expression can keep you within comfort zones and what have you. I think my pessimistic nature would have never led to me starting my own business going back a number of years. I mean, I started my own business when I was 44. There were a number of uh, reasons why I came to the point where I wanted to do that. But I think pre pre my 40s, for sure, I would have never have uh, dreamed that I would you know be a person who would start my own business. Um, and I think that working on that pessimistic sort of uh, nature, I guess, um, has, has helped me a lot in that. You know, for example, one of the things that I've done for a number of years now, simple technique, but I capture at least five good things about the day every day. And one of them today will be having time with you, Amy, on the podcast, you know, for sure. Um, but I do that. And I think that has made me a more optimistic person. Uh, and I think I, I don't just stop there. You know, every month I take a real good stock of what's gone well in the month. I love journaling at the end of the year, um, doing a longer journal, just talk about the year. You deal with some of the problems and, and get those on paper, but actually celebrate the good stuff that's gone on. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, recently I was talking to my wife about um, all the great things that have come out. The pandemic and lockdown has been uh, you know, a terrible time for um, for for us all in in many respects. But there's been a load of good that's come out of it for me personally, if I'm honest. Um, and maybe if people took stock, they may see uh, some real benefits and good that's come out of it for them as well, as well as all the challenges. And I know that I've been fortunate. I've not had. I'm going to touch wood here. You know, I've not had anybody close uh, that I've, I've lost. They've lost their life through it. And I know there's been an incredible loss of life, and that's. That's that's a really terrible thing to experience. Um, but I, again, I think it is about um, continually working on your out your outlook. And, and for me, that's been working on my outlook has helped me enormously. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've found this as well, Amy. Over the 15 years I've had my business, it's been a lot of ups and downs and challenges and what have you. But the way that you face those is the important piece, really. Um and I think I've, I've become much better uh, at doing that than I would have been, you know, into my back into my 30s and 40s, really. So a positive and optimistic outlook that you've now adopted, taking you forward and, and moving forward. 
What's the legacy piece here, Tony? What is it you're going to be leaving or even living with as a legacy? Well, it's interesting, that, isn't it? I mean, I think you were saying that purpose comes in a number of ways. Uh, I think for me, um, you know, we've been talking about success, fulfillment, happiness, about uh, growing as a as a speaker, as a coach, as a trainer, growing in knowledge. Those are all great things. I mean, part of my legacy will be that I've written one book. I'm really, really excited about you know writing this new one because that will be there after I um, <laughs> after long after I pass and what have you. Um, and I think actually for me as well, the, the legacy piece is about how people would talk about you know, any of us, uh, but you're asking me the question, how people would talk about me when I pass, whether that be the people I've worked with, um, you know, the friends, the, the people I've met uh, on my travels. And for me, critically important as, you know, in terms of legacy has been my relationship with my daughter, my 24-year-old daughter, and um, and with my wife, really. And, um, you know, I those two I put above everything, really. And... Um, for me, if the things I was doing in my business were was taking me or meaning I was neglecting those two, uh, then, then that would that wouldn't work for me. Um, so I guess legacy will come in a number of ways. You know, uh, the relationship I have, I have with them and will have with them and will have had with them when I pass. Um, and, and, the, and the way people would speak about me is really important for me, I think. Um, and, and actually... Uh, you know how I feel about myself you know uh, as I said earlier on you know I think um, having got to like myself a hell of a lot more over the last sort of 10 years or so has been the most important thing for me really because uh, we can't be a great husband wife friend uh, whatever it might be manager employee whatever it is it's it's hard to do that if you fundamentally at the heart of you don't have a great opinion of yourself really uh, and that's, you know, that's aside from, in my opinion, that's aside from ego. And that's just appreciating the goodness that's within, you know, at the heart of pretty much all of us, really, and that we can lose sight of. Yeah, powerful thoughts there. And and really what I love is, as again, the journey that you're going through is an, a, an ongoing one. You know, you haven't reached a particular destination where you get I've got it all sussed you know it's still going and and that's the case for all of us isn't it yeah whatever you know as a podcaster I mean you've done an amazing uh, job on your podcast I've got a podcast series myself and it's been around a lot longer and I've got way less episodes than you Amy uh, but you've done a great job and I think you know the, the great thing for example about what you've done is you started your podcast and uh, no doubt really enjoyed it, but now you, you know, you're bringing the benefit of your knowledge and wisdom to other people looking to do that. And isn't that a great thing really to, to grow, but then allow other people to grow through your own experiences of growth as well. I think um, that's a wonderful thing. And, and like you said, you, you'll never be the finished article as a podcast host. Um, that's no disrespect at all. Cause you know, you, you've, you've got a superb uh, series on there. And actually, in a way, you probably wouldn't want to feel like the, the finished article. But you want to you want to feel like you're doing some great work, um, but you're going to get better and better. And um, and, and that, what a great place that is to be, I think, uh, in whatever facet of work life or personal life. Um, you know, I, as a father, I, I 
still would like to keep improving as a I, I, I genuinely think if you ask my daughter I think she'd say I was you know as a great father um but that doesn't mean that I feel like I'm the finished article I'd still like to continue to work on that and so whatever aspect of life there's nothing stopping us wanting to grow uh, and I love all you know Carol Dweck the psychologist I, I love her work on growth mindset and what have you but that doesn't mean that we have to come at it from a place of lack and not feeling good enough and not liking ourselves and you know not feeling we're worthy uh, much better to come at it from the flip side but continue that journey of growth really I love it uh, and it's such a great note to sort of almost close out on Tony it's been fascinating talking to you about why you do what you do how could people reach out and, and say what is it that you could do for them Tony yeah you know best place because I'm, I'm pretty active on well I'm, I'm Lighting, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Probably LinkedIn's a good starting point, really. Um, so if people look for me as Tony Brooks uh, on LinkedIn, my company's the Leadership Training Workshop. Uh, I've got a web, couple of websites, company one with the Leadership Training Workshop and the TonyBrooks.com. But to be honest, best place to start with me is just um, reach out, connect on LinkedIn, really. And uh, yeah, love to uh, always love to chat to people and see if I can help. You know, that doesn't necessarily have to be working with me. It's just uh, it's great to be able to just connect with new people and and see if they can help. And actually, I'm really fascinated at the moment. I'm doing a few calls and chats with people about their experiences of survival psychology and the way survival thinking uh, has held them back and does hold them back just to actually make sure that the, the book I'm going to write addresses real issues and real concerns so if anybody's interested in having a call on that then and definitely reach out love to um, just hear people confidentially obviously hear people's experiences of, of that really that sounds like a wonderful opportunity so thank you for sharing I know that my reflection from today's episode will be to journal around three simple things and I will be using these prompts as my triggers which will be happiness is success is and fulfillment is, and I'll be yeah. populating the three of those later to see just what comes up. Yeah, because they, you know, they're unique for everybody. I mean, well, I was talking about some pointers on that, but yeah, it should at the end of the day, what does it matter if it, if if your view, Amy, on success, fulfillment, and happiness is a particular thing, and that may evolve over time, but then you can think, okay, um, how do I need to become? What do I what what should I do then? To, Given on based on that definition, what do I need to do to become more happy? That's the typical question I ask, um, you know, leaders when they they talk about. It. I get them to score them at a ten, quite simply, and say, okay, so how are we going to take it higher? And my work I see as uh, helping them take all three of those scores higher. And interestingly enough, it's often the happiness or fulfillment scores that are lower. Um, people may feel they've got success, but it's often the other two scores that are not as high, really. Uh, so yeah. Brilliant. Well, I look forward to reflecting on those and I'll share them in my episode where I do the reflections with actions after this particular episode comes out. So brilliant. I look forward to hearing that. Yeah, thank you. So, Tony, thank you so much for coming on Focus on Why. Have you got some final words for the audience, please? Yeah, I think final words would be um, keep attending to your mind health because we all have mind health and it varies uh, on a spectrum. But so spend, find more time, legit, like you repeated earlier about, you know, hitting the pause button, um, having time to think and examine your thinking and examine how you're thinking about 
yourself or the people, situations, and allow yourself that time to change your viewpoints, shift your perspective so that you actually do better things. I always say this, you know, it's about changing your thinking so you see your world differently, so you do different things and get better results. And those results aren't necessarily about just about, as I said earlier, about success. It's about results that actually mean something to you. And, you know, to, to wrap it up there, I guess, that have a purpose, you know, results that have a real purpose rather than just being for the sake of it, really. I, I guess that would be my final thoughts, really, for today. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.